time for The Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. Today, we'll begin hearing excerpts from an interview I did in 2009 with a U.S. Coast Guard rescue swimmer who was then based at Air Station Astoria. It's one of the most interesting interviews I've ever done in my years doing the ship report, and I greatly appreciate the time he took explaining his job and showing me all the equipment used to do rescues while also go inside a Coast Guard rescue helicopter. All of us here on the coast have, at one time or another, seen an orange and white U.S. Coast Guard helicopter passing by on its way to what was probably an SAR, or Search and Rescue, mission. On board each helicopter is a four-person crew, a pilot, a co-pilot, a flight mechanic, and a rescue swimmer. I talked with rescue swimmer, or aviation survival technician as they're called, Thomas Beaudry at Air Station Astoria in 2009. At the time we spoke, he'd been in the Coast Guard for 18 years and had been a rescue swimmer for 16. We begin here talking about what it takes to become a rescue swimmer. It's not a job for everyone, and the requirements are extremely demanding. Once you complete basic training in the Coast Guard, you get on a list for what's called A-school training, which is rigorous training for the specialty you've chosen. Here's Thomas Beaudry. It takes roughly about 18 months to almost two years to become a rescue swimmer. Uh, First, you start off by uh, getting your name on an A-school list. Once you get on A school list, then you go to the, um, the unit that's closest to you for about four months of uh, buildup. And that's where you come in the shop and you learn the proper stretches and we get you physically fit to go to school. Once you go to school, then they even build you up even further. Uh, they extend what we do uh, fivefold, uh, a lot more intensive in water training. Uh, physical fitness training a lot longer. And then they also teach them about how to repair life rafts and inspect vests and the survival items. After that is done, then you come back and then you have to go to a three-week course down in Pataluma, California for emergency medical technician. It's a crammed three-week course to become an EMT. Once that's done, then you come back to your unit finally after almost a year of being gone. Then from that point on, you turn into, uh, you learn about the aircraft. You have to learn all the parts and systems on the aircraft, become part of the air crew. You have to learn how to run the radios, uh, fix the planes, tow the planes, fuel the planes. Then we teach them again, all the proper safety uh, precautions about jumping out, being in the water. Then we send them to advanced rescue swimmer school where they learn um, certain scenarios that they don't get in school, but you get in real life training, the cliff rescues, the uh, cave rescues, the high surf. So it takes about two years in all before you're finally ready to go out the door on your own. I've heard that rescue swimmers are trained here at Tongue Point. So I asked him about that. Uh, partially at Tongue Point, uh, also at uh, Cape Disappointment um, out here in the, um, the Columbia River. Uh, we have schools that run from uh, November through uh, April, the best times of the year at uh, the mouth of the Columbia River. We also have um, certain requirements as uh, swimmers that we will train down at uh, Tillamook and also up in Grace Harbor. But first, you have to get through A school. To get on the A school list, uh, you have to, uh, once you get out of boot camp and you go to your assigned unit, you have to become an E3. Um, Hopefully within six months, you can come in E3 and you have to make uh, on your ASVAB, you have to score at a certain rate. 
ASVAB stands for Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery Test. And once that is done, then you put, you're able to put your name on a list, a school list. If you have the criteria to become a, a rescue swimmer, then that's the first step. You put your name on the list and then you get put in. You have to go through flight physicals. Then you get sent to the unit and that's where we start evaluating you. And if we don't think you can cut it, then we'll send you either to another aviation unit or back to your unit. I asked him how they tell whether a person can cut it or not. Uh, well, a lot of it is on uh, their own demeanor. When they come in here, most of them know what we do, what our job consists of, so they're ready physically and they're ready mentally. Uh, they may not have access to a pool, but they'll try and they won't give up. Their attitude has a lot to do with it. Uh, when you're out there by yourself in the middle of the ocean, you have no one to count on but yourself. So you have to have a, um, a can-do attitude not to give up. And it's basically a demeanor and the kind of person that they were brought up with will tell whether or not they can do it or not. I asked him to explain a little bit more about the kind of person that chooses this high-risk, very demanding work and, and why he chose to become a rescue swimmer. Uh, well, when I was younger, I was uh, my family was involved in firefighting and uh, I was involved in firefighting, but uh, growing up, I almost drowned twice also. So water rescue was the only thing that I was afraid of. And that was one fear that I had to overcome. So uh, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, so I, I chose this raid. I, Northern Vermont, I didn't know much about the Coast Guard. And when I called them, they told me about this new rate starting up. I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun. And uh, then they told me they had aviation. I'm like, oh, the guy's got planes. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that they had aviation, and here it is, you know, 18 years later. The Coast Guard has not always had rescue swimmers as part of their flight crews. The Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer Program first became operational at Air Station Elizabeth City, North Carolina, in 1985. There were rescue swimmers in other branches of the military previously, but not the Coast Guard. Then, a search-and-rescue mission with a merchant vessel off the coast of Virginia in 1981 showed the military why they really needed rescue swimmers on board Coast Guard helicopters. In that incident, 31 out of 34 crewmen perished. They soon instituted the rescue swimmer program and began training. When Thomas Beaudry referred to the Rescue Swimmer Program in this interview as a new specialty of the Coast Guard when he was first in the service, that's because the Rescue Swimmer Program was then less than 10 years old. These rescue swimmers take great personal risks under dangerous conditions, as do all the crew members on board U.S. Coast Guard helicopters. Weather is often a factor in the need to rescue, and so they go out in what most of us would consider absolutely terrible weather. It's a job most people, for various reasons, simply could not do. To see a rescue swimmer when you need one is a wonderful thing and cause to be grateful that some people do have what it takes and want to pursue this demanding profession. You've been listening to The Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. Tomorrow and the rest of this week, we'll continue my talk with Thomas Beaudry, U.S. Coast Guard rescue swimmer, from an interview I did in 2009. I haven't spoken with Thomas Beaudry since then, and he is no longer at Air Station Astoria, as far as I know. But I did Google him and found that he became a decorated hero for his work as a swimmer, and also later in his career became an instructor, teaching other people how to do the work he did. 
He told me in 2009 that he loved his work and would continue in the Coast Guard after his opportunity to retire after 20 years. But after 30 years, regulations would require him to retire. One of those rare people who enjoyed jumping out of aircraft for a living, not to mention into an ocean with 30-foot seas, not to mention also the 100-mile-per-hour downdraft from the helicopter blades. More tomorrow on The Ship Report. <laughs>